The thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyal Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen we are looking at the culture of honor somebody say the culture of honor say the culture of honor we live in an increasingly honorless society it looks like the more technology advanced the more every democracy becomes entrenched the more easier things become the less we hear and we practice about honor honor is so important Culture, I told you, is not what some people do some of the time. Culture is not what some of the people do some of the time. Culture is what most of the people do most of the time. That's what a culture is. When you go to a place and they honor, they honor most of the time. When you go to a place and there's a culture of peace there, they are at peace most of the time. Ghana in sub-Saharan Africa has established ourselves as a stable democracy that is committed to peace. Amen? So gradually, gradually, we are trying to establish a culture of peace. And I pray that political bigwits will learn sense and learn to move on. Amen? The election is over. We pray for the peace and the stability of a nation. Anybody who will try to provoke any confusion of any sort, the God of this nation will defend us. Shout a better amen. NDC people, shout a better amen. MPP people shout a better amen. Yeah. I know all of you are here. Yeah. Some NDC, some MPP. So that I can always be in power. Because by all means, one of you will be in power. And when you are in power, I'm in power. Praise God. Yeah. So a culture of honor is vital. Culture of honor is vital. In your home, you want to establish a culture of honor. In your office, if you are running a business, you want to establish a culture of honor. In our church, we want to be established as a church that appreciates and knows how to honor. And that is the very essence of this teaching. We are kingdom citizens. Somebody say kingdom citizens. There are those who are seeking to enter into the kingdom. We have entered the kingdom. And we need to learn the lifestyle of the kingdom. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 to 13. The Bible says, Giving thanks unto the Father who had delivered us from darkness and translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Somebody say, I'm in the kingdom. So when you come into the kingdom, you need to learn how things are done in the kingdom. It is said, when you go to Rome, you do what the Romans The moment you go to Rome and you want to live like a Ghanaian, you have a problem. You go to London, you want to live like an Ashanti man, you have a problem. You have to learn to live like the new kingdom of which you are a part. We are part of God's kingdom. And in God's kingdom, things are done differently. Praise God. That's why the Bible says we ought to renew our minds. Because if we enter God's kingdom and we maintain our old mind, there is no way we can live a new life. Nobody can ever live a new life with an old mind. 
to live a new life, you have to have a new mind. And we need to learn the mindset of the kingdom, how things are done in God's kingdom. The only place you and I have access to insight and revelation about how things are done in God's kingdom is God's word. Somebody say God's word. Now come with me to Romans 13 verse 7. Romans 13 7. Render therefore. Somebody say render therefore. To all. Somebody say all. all. Now I want you to look on the screen and say it with me. All. All, all the award due. Taxes to whom taxes are. Customs to whom customs are. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. What is interesting here is that the first thing the Bible says we should give to those who are due, the first thing is obligatory. Somebody say obligatory. Yeah. We don't pay taxes because we want to pay. We pay taxes because we are obligated to pay. And the civil authorities are there to ensure that you pay. So that if you don't pay, you can even be held accountable. Praise God. And if the biblical law of first mention is of any relevance at all to this scripture, then it also means that the subsequent things, the same law that applies to the first one can be extended to it. Praise God. So it's not just our wish to want to honor, it's obligatory in the kingdom to honor. Praise God. It's obligatory in the kingdom to give taxes to those taxes are due, to also give custom to whom custom is due, and to honor those to whom honor is due. So it is anti-kingdom culture to be working in this honor. It's anti-kingdom to also be evading taxes. Say amen. amen. Say amen. It's important. In the first service, I was telling that we have two responsibilities. Actually, we have three responsibilities to the state as a people. Four, actually. Four. One is to pray for leaders. Somebody say pray for leaders. Second, we are to respect and honor leaders. And then we are to pay our taxes. It's one of the responsibilities we have. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And then now, because we are in a democracy, we have a responsibility to also vote. So if you don't vote... It's not right. Am I complicating here? Yeah. As a Christian, you have a civic responsibility to vote. It gives you an opportunity to decide on who gets to influence decisions at the highest places of power. So it's always important you have to. And then, of course, we have to also be good citizens. Okay. So honor. Somebody say honor. honor. Now, last week, I talked about the roll call of honor. Somebody say the roll call of honor. Render therefore to all. All means that there are certain categories of people that we are required to honor. And there's a roll call. When we go through the New Testament, we see a roll call of honor. And the foremost on the list is God. Somebody say God. God. The first on the roll is God. God's honor is supreme honor. God's honor is not an honor you give to man. We cannot honor men the same measure with which we honor God. No. We must honor God much higher done we honor men the way we honor our president we cannot honor god any less we have to honor god much higher than that why because our existence emanates from god he's our source he's our life he's everything to us the bible said without me you can do nothing he says by strength shall no man prevail what is it that you have you didn't receive your intelligence your position your wealth your money everything you have you received 
But where did you receive it from? You received from God. Why? A man can receive nothing except it be given to him from where? Above. So you and I have a responsibility to honor God above everything. That's why in the book of Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9, he said, honor the Lord with thy substance. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 17, the good news version says, respect everyone, love other believers, honor God. Respect everyone, love other believers, and honor God. Turn to your neighbor and say, honor God. And there are various ways we honor God. We honor God when we give to him. We honor God in different other ways. Number two is honor man. Somebody say honor man. We must learn to honor human beings. Must be honest. First Peter 2, 17. Honor all people. All people means all people. Sometimes when people come in our midst and they, are, they don't look like the way we want people to look, we tend to despise them. Sometimes we despise them in our hearts. We despise them by the way we look at them. We need to be careful. We don't want to be a church where people are despised based on their outlook. Imagine, let me ask you. Imagine somebody walked into this church as a man with his hair braided. How would you look at him? If somebody walked in as an usher and is a man, he has two earrings on. How would you look at him? Wouldn't you judge him already in your heart? But do they really mean anything? Without even knowing the sort of person he is, you have already condemned him that he's so, so, and so. That is not a culture of honor. Praise God. Because there are things that somebody who is robbed like a, a certain priest will do that that person with the hair braided may never do. Am I communicating? There are things that are just outward and we need to really, really get to know people for who they are. Honor all men. Somebody say honor all men. Number three, honor your parents. Honor your parents. Don't go disrespecting your parents. Whether they are old, they are whatever they are, they are rich, they are poor. What, whoever they are, they gave birth to you and you have a responsibility to honor them. And I tell you, if you don't learn to honor them like God expects you to honor, many things may not go well for you. It is not witches who will come against you. It is you coming against yourself. There are things that when they come against you, you can easily deal with when Satan comes against you and you are born again, it's a non-starter. I said it's what? It's a non-starter. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Then he says, resist him steadfast in faith. So, you already have what it takes to deal with the enemy. Praise God. Above all, taking the shield of faith where you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. Where is your faith? Faith has already been given to you. The Bible said God has dealt unto every man a measure of faith. So when faith is in place, Satan has not got a place in your life. When other people come against you, you can walk in wisdom towards them. But one of the greatest enemies that we all have, which most of the time we are not able to deal with, is ourselves. Praise God. Your greatest enemy is yourself. And there are things that we can practically do to endanger our destiny. One of such is to walk in dishonor towards your parents. Yeah. When you learn to insult your parents, you have learned to jeopardize your destiny. No matter who they are, what they look. Some of us have in our minds a certain poster. If my mother was in this poster, I would treat her this way. Listen, learn to treat her that way in spite of her poster. Because she was in that poster when she conceived you for nine months and delivered you. She was in that poster when thoughts went through her mind and she still kept you and did not abort you. Turn to your neighbor and say, honor your parents. Of course, the agent. Somebody say the agent. 
That's something the Bible talks about. We ought to honor the aged. Anybody, and listen, you learn to honor the aged by learning to respect anyone who is even a minute older than you. Amen? Learn to do that. Learn to do that. Respect people. Age matters. I said age what? If a person is older than you, it means he's seen some things. He saw light before you saw it. You are all in the womb for nine months, but he saw it before you. He saw it before you. So, there are things that older people have seen you may not have seen. And sometimes their experiences may not all be good, but there's something that you can always learn from them. Don't despise elderly people. Even in the church, we are instructed by God to know how we manage elders in the church. Elders are not supposed to be treated like every other person in the church. No. Anybody who is older, no. The Bible says we have to speak to them in a certain way. Number five, where it's most problematic particularly among Christian women, is their husbands. Somebody say, my husband. Say, my husband. Yeah. And you must learn to honor your husband as a couple. You must learn. You must learn. It's something you must learn. Sometimes we can't hold you so much accountable because you were not raised in a home where your mother spoke well of your father and treated him with respect. But listen, now that you are born again, you are not in your mother's tribe again. As for me, our tribe, this is how we talk. As for me, our family, this is how we all treat husband. That is not the culture you belong. You belong to the culture of the kingdom. And in the culture of the kingdom, we speak to our husbands with respect. We don't raise our voices at our husbands. We don't slap our husbands. I'm not complicating at all. It's always, always, always important. In fact, the Bible actually talks about honor is both ways in marriage. But the husband deserves honor much more. Apart from the fact that, look at First Peter with me. Let me show you something in First Peter before I quickly rush. Because this is a very problematic area. Most of the things that I have to deal with sometimes as a pastor, they all boil down to this honor. Look at this. First Peter 3 verse 7. Message version, please. Message, message, message version. First Peter chapter 3 verse 7. The same way goes for husbands. Be good husbands to your wives. How do you demonstrate goodness to them? Honor them. Do what? Honor them. Be good, good husbands to your wives. Honor them. Delight in them. As women, they lack some of your advantages. But in the new life of God's grace, you are all equal. Somebody say we are equals. Treat your wives then as equals so your prayers don't run aground. So the Bible says, treat your wife. So in the context that we are all as of the grace of God, we are equals. But in the context of the family setting where you are leaders in Christ, what he says here is actually consistent with what Paul said in the book of Galatians. That in Christ Jesus, there is neither male nor female. In Christ Jesus, there is neither uh, husband or wife. We are all equal. Are you with me? But in the context of marriage, the Bible said the husband is the head. When you go to Ephesians, is there Ephesians chapter 5 verse 33? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 33, the message version. Look at that. Ephesians. He said, and this provides a good picture of how a husband should treat his wife in loving her. And how each wife is to honor her husband. Are you with me? You must learn to honor your husband. Just as you honor your boss at work, you don't talk back to your boss at work. Because you know your salary depends on it. This one, your long-term happiness and fulfillment also depends on it. Don't honor your pastor and dishonor your husband. It shows that you are a person who does not know how to honor. A person who honor. Listen, one of the things I've seen about people who know how to honor is that they honor everybody. They honor, they treat everybody almost the same way. And then they know the difference between people. But when somebody is, they, they can be very hypocritical in their honor. 
They will pretend they honor you as a pastor. But speak to the husband and he see that his fire works at home every day. No, it can't be so. Somebody say it can't be so. I actually saw something in the book of Numbers which really humbled me. And it shows God's position as far as matters like that is concerned. You see, in the book of Numbers, I think Numbers 30 or so, the Bible was talking about vows. And it says when a man vows, he's supposed to honor it. But when the woman vows, and he made two distinct statements. When the woman vows in her father's house, and the father tells her, the vow is not holding, the vow is not holding. And the Bible says, God agrees and releases. Then it says, when the woman also vows, and her husband steps in and says, your vow is not holding, God says, I accept it. Are women hearing it? No, no. When you go, no, no, listen. I don't have time to emphasize on this point. When you go home, those of you who have right mentality, we are equals, this, this, this you better advise yourself so. You better advise. God doesn't see things that way at all. He says that God has given so much power like that. He says when the woman gives a pledge, I, maybe we should read it. The way you are looking at me, I see I'm trying to force something on you that is not true. See it with me. Let's start from verse 3. Verse 3. Okay. When a woman makes a vow to who? To who? To God. So we are dealing with God here. When a woman makes a vow to and binds herself by a pledge as a young girl still living in her father's house. Okay. And her father hears of a vow or pledge but says nothing to her. Then she has to make good on all her vows and pledges. Verse 5. He says, but if her father holds her back when he hears of what she has done, none of her vows and pledges are valid. God will release her since her father held back. That's authority. Somebody say authority. (laughs) Verse 6. And if she marries after she makes a vow or has made some rash promise or pledge. Look at that. And her husband hears of it but says nothing to her then she has to make good on whatever she has vowed or pledged that's it he says but if her husband intervenes when he hears of it he cancels the vow or rash promise that binds her god will release her praise god because i've realized that one one difficult way for most women to honor their husbands is just to listen to them listen your husband says don't do this that's the same thing most women usually will do i don't want you closely associating with this person that's the same person that's the same person may the lord help us that's not the point of my emphasis though that's not the point of my emphasis i believe that god said and then widows the bible says we should honor widows the bible also says we should honor fathers somebody say fathers fathers paul said in christ jesus we have many instructors but few fathers not the, the role of a father is a very difficult one. Amen? Amen? It's not easy to be a father. In as much as we have come to learn that it's not easy to be a mother, it's not easy to be a father at all. Now look at God, our heavenly father. Look at what it cost him to be our heavenly father. The kind of things we do to him as a heavenly father. And the way he has to deal with us as his children. That's the same way. You need to learn to honor fathers and honor them well. Of course, pastors and spiritual leaders deserve honor. Bible says, let the elders that rule be counted worthy of double honor. And then masters, whoever you are working with or for, deserves your honor. You need to honor them as well. Somebody's shop, he's been given the opportunity to manage it. Learn to respect her. Respect her with your words. Respect her by taking care of whatever she's assigned you to do. Of course, kings and rulers and civic leaders also deserve our honor. And then one another among ourselves as believers. One of the things the Bible says we should do is to honor. And then number 12, we are to honor nature. Somebody say nature. Nature. Say nature. 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 Most of our problems in our present world. Like this year, among the disasters, apart from the pandemic, one of the great disasters that happened some in some parts of California is fire, wildfires. 
amazing, amazing fires. I think Australia, rather. Australia, yeah, it's Australia. In fact, that actually came way ahead of the pandemic. But because of the gravity of the pandemic, people have seemed to have lost sight of it. But it's because we don't have regards for nature. And I'm not talking about uh, going to take care of Central Market. I'm, take, I'm talking about taking care of your room. That's where your nature starts, your house. We must learn to keep our environment clean. Praise God. All right. Today, I'm looking at the marks of true honor. The marks. Somebody say the marks. The marks of true honor. There is false honor and there is true honor. Just like every good thing, there is a real dollar and there is fake dollar. Real CD and fake CD. Real pound and fake pound. So in, for everything that exists, there is a one that is genuine and there is one that is fake. And in the book of Isaiah, God was speaking about it. This was Isaiah's prophecy, which Jesus also affirmed in the book of Isaiah 29 verse 30. He said, therefore, the Lord said, inasmuch as these people draw near me with their mouths and honor me with their, oh, let's read it together. Honor me with their, and, uh-huh, and their feet. Okay, so in this text, we are seeing a certain kind of honor. There's a certain kind of honor that comes only with the lips. Amen. Certain kind of honor, and it just tells us that all honor is not the same. So we see that it's not every honor that can be classified as honor. There is false honor and there is true honor. And the only place we can go for truth is not from your tribe or from your home or from your culture or from your education. The only one place we can go for truth is the word of God. John 17, 17. Sanctify them by thy word, for thy word is truth. So when we go into scriptures, where do we see honor begin from? Genuine honor, six marks of genuine honor. One, genuine honor originates from the heart. When you honor a person genuinely, you honor God genuinely, it starts from your heart. It starts from your heart. It starts from your heart. We have to learn to honor God from our heart. When we really have real honor for God in our heart, it shows in everything we do. Real honor begins from the heart. Matthew 15, verse 8. These people draw nigh to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. Now look at Zechariah chapter 8, verse 17. Zechariah chapter 6, verse 8. It's very difficult to honor a person when you are imagining vain things about them in your heart. Zechariah chapter 8, verse 17. He says, And let none of you imagine evil in your heart against his neighbor, King James. Say, so let none of you think evil in your heart. Somebody say evil in your heart. I realize that you cannot honor a person with whom you are consistently thinking evil of. You think that your husband is wicked. That's why you don't respect him. You can't talk to him anyhow. That is what you have thought of. But if you analyze closely, you realize that the man has really been there for you. When we don't think well of people in our hearts, it reflects in the way we relate with them. We can honor them genuinely. So your heart, somebody say my heart. Everything good or bad begins from the heart. That's why you have to learn to protect your heart. The Bible says, keep the heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. In the Gospels, he says, out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, medicine. That's where everything begins from there. And listen, if God is going to reward you for honoring, he will look at your heart. He will look at your heart. Sir, sir, papa, papa. But what you are saying in your heart is different. This man, he wants to be Lord of us. Who does he think he is? That is what you are saying in your heart. But, oh, sir, sir, bless you, sir. It's a lie. 
I don't see it. God sees it. And God will deal with that. What he sees. He said, your father that sees you in secret shall reward you openly. We need to learn to engage our heart. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 21. He says, who is he that engages his heart? Engages his heart. And their nobles shall be themselves and their governors shall proceed. Then he said, for who is this that engage his heart to approach? Learn to engage your heart to honor. For his God. That's where it starts from. Number two, genuine honor is expressed in thoughts and words. When we honor, we show it with our words. When we honor, we show it with our words. When we honor our words, our thinking shows. You think highly of a person you honor. You remember, the Bible said, let no man think less of himself, but we ought to think just as God has said with every man a measure of grace. If you think highly of your husband, you will not dishonor him. If you think highly of your boss, you will not dishonor him. If you think highly of your pastor, you will not dishonor him. But when we think low of them, we think that we are the same, they don't matter, they are not really relevant, that's when we are prone to dishonor them. Praise God. The Bible says it's expressed in thoughts and in words. Anything that is genuinely in your heart will find expression in your mouth. Out of the abundance, in the book of Luke chapter 6, verse 45, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I see great things coming out of your life. So let's honor. Look at this. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 20. Most of the time, we can be cursing people with our thoughts and we'll be pretending we honor them with our words. Look at this. He said, curse not the king. No, not in that thought. Don't curse a king, don't curse a ruler, don't curse. No, he said, don't curse the king in your thoughts and curse not the rich in that bedchamber. He says, for a bed of the air shall carry the voice and that which had wings shall tell the matter. Are you with me? In the first service, I asked them a question. And I believe when I ask you, that the answer will not be different. How many of you have spoken, ever spoken ill of someone, thought ill about someone, and then when he, he appeared, you felt like he has heard it? How many of you never before? It, it looks like he did something or said something or acted in a way that made you think, ah, this man, has he heard what I'm thinking or seen? It happens all the time. That's what the Bible says. He said, a bird which had wings shall tell the matter. Words are spirits and words travel. That's why we need to think well about people. The Bible said, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever, every time you are thinking any thought about any person, that is the filter. Somebody say the filter. Your best filter for your thoughts. Is it true? What I'm thinking, is it true? What, when we say is it true, is it, is it consistent with scripture? Is it honorable? Is it praiseworthy? Is it of virtue? If it is not, drop it. Thinking of how you are gossiping about somebody is not true. It's not consistent with scripture. That's not our identity. Drop it. Praise God. We must learn to think well of people if we must honor them well. And number three, genuine honor is expressed publicly by specific deeds and actions. Somebody says specific deeds and actions. Now, the good thing I like about God is that he always reveals our hypocrisy. He always makes sure that his word reveals our hypocrisy. Like the one I just talked about now. Honor begins from the heart. And understand me, I said honor originates from the heart. I didn't say honor is in the heart. And there are a lot of people who live like, uh, God knows my heart. How many of you have said that before? God knows my heart. It's true, God knows your heart. Human beings, we only see your actions. And we will only judge you by your actions. Except our minds are renewed. That's why 
you should not only make sure that your heart is right. Your heart was made right when you got born again. How was it made right? God gave you a new heart. That's how your heart became right. But now that your heart is made right, you must allow the Holy Spirit to implement or manifest the good things he puts in your heart. Am I communicating here? Honor is expressed publicly. Somebody say publicly. By specific deeds and actions. You can't go hiding honor. When you honor somebody, you can't hide it. You can't hide it. When somebody speaks ill of somebody you honor, you immediately react. Am I communicating? You, I mean, you can't stand and listen to somebody bastardize someone you deeply honor and respect and listen. No. One of the things I learned to do many years ago is not to listen to disparaging remarks about anybody I honor. I don't. You will not say it in my presence. And when you speak, I will deal with you right away. Because now that you are speaking low of somebody I honor, it's like, if I allow you to do it, I'm joining you in that dishonor. Am I communicating here? Never allow it. Never allow it. And listen, when people speak, usually the seeds of dishonor are sown when we hear a lot of negative things about people. You used to think very highly of a person, but you have so heard so many negative things that now, when you see the person, you view him. Your lenses have been corrupted. So you don't see him like you used to. Am I communicating here? And usually you lose out on all that God will have you receive. So it is expressed by specific deeds. Somebody say specific deeds. Specific deeds. And that is where usually we see the hypocrisy of people who rebel at acts or deeds that are done to show honor. Genuinely do not honor. They genuinely do not honor because they want, oh, but God knows we honor him, but we all know we honor uh, this man. Oh, my husband knows I honor him. My wife knows I honor. Listen, if you truly honor your wife, there are things you will do. Praise God. There are things you will do. When you are entering a, a room, you open the door for her. It's a sign of honor. When you are entering a vehicle, you allow her to enter, open the door, and then close it. It's a sign of honor. Am I communicating here? You walk her to a restaurant, you will not assume your seat and tell her to find her seat. You will pull a seat and pull one for her. It's a sign of honor. Am I communicating? When you are giving something to your wife, you will look at something of value and give it to your wife. I remember a couple of years ago, I, I wanted to do something to just uh, bless my wife on our wedding anniversary. And originally, there was a vehicle I was using, and that was the one I wanted to give to her. But the way I do my things... By the time I finished, the vehicle was looking very powerful. So I had to stretch my faith and get something that is reflective of a status in my heart and in my life. Praise God. You see, specific deeds. Somebody say specific deeds. Specific deeds. Specific deeds. Specific deeds. Or you cannot just say, oh, I just honor. Look at here. Leviticus 19, verse 32. And I'll walk you through a few deeds and close. He says, stand up. Somebody say stand up. Stand up. It's one of the actions we do to honor. When you go to a function and the president comes, immediately everybody stands. Is that not what you do? What you are doing, you are demonstrating honor. The Bible says, stand up in the presence of the elderly. Show respect for the aged. For fear God, I am the Lord. The good thing about the New Testament is that the New Testament does not tell us specific actions we should take. It just tells us, it gives us a general framework. 
And when you look at the Old Testament, you see how specifically that is practiced. Am I communicating? When you read the Old Testament, it says, honor your husbands. But when you go into the Old Testament, it tells you, look at Sarah. How Sarah honored uh, her husband, calling him Lord. All of that is limited there. Sarah could go to a place, the husband said, tell a lie. And Sarah said, I will tell a lie. She agreed and told a lie. That lie could have affected it. But today, ah, we all have degree. You cannot teach me. I'm not a fool here. You must understand. Listen. And then you begin to preach your husband. Who is holier than between Sarah and uh, Abraham? Who is holier? Abraham is called the friend of God. I have never heard anywhere where God invited Sarah. He calls him the friend of God. The friend of God says, lie. And she says, I will lie. But today, they will debate and preach you and quote you from left, right, center. That's why you have problem. That's why you are not enjoying peace. That's why it looks like your family is against your marriage. No family is against your marriage. The witch bewitching your marriage is your stubbornness to obey the word of God. Am I communicating here? No. You cannot live in a house with your husband and somebody's words means a lot to you than your husband's words. When your mother speaks, you run. When your husband speaks, you stand with him and debate with your hands in your pocket or wherever. You better get born again. Say a better amen. amen. The Bible says, stand up. Somebody say, stand up. Now look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. Esther chapter 1 verse 9 to 10. The Bible gives us specific deeds, specific actions. He said, that night the king couldn't sleep. He ordered the record book, the day by day journal of events, to be brought and read to him. Look at verse 2. He says, they came across the story there about the time that Mordecai had exposed the plot of Big Thana and Teresh. The two royal enochs who guarded the entrance and who had conspired to assassinate King Sazas. Look at three. The king asked, what great honor? Somebody say, what great honor? Say, what great honor? Now, if you want to benefit from the Old Testament, next year I will teach you on how to get the most out of the Old Testament. If you want to benefit from the Old Testament, you have to see it as a lesson book. Somebody say, as a lesson book. In the Old Testament, how we ought to live our lives and the principles and the mindset we have towards our new life is different. But the Old Testament principally is a lesson book to us. So in the book of Romans chapter 15 verse 4, he says, whatever was written aforetime was written for our learning that we, through the comfort and the patience of the scriptures, might find hope. So that a lot of instructions we can get from the Old Testament. And this one was written for our learning. That thing that we are just reading, take me back, Esther, is written for our learning. Three, he said, what great honor has been done for this man? Nothing, replied the king's servants who were in attendance. Nothing has been done for him. The king said, is there anybody out in the court? Now Haman had just come into the outer court of the king's palace to talk to the king about hanging Mordecai on the gallows he had built for him. God punish the devil. The day they want to bring him down is the day God elevated him. Listen, whatever trap anyone has set for you, any agency, any demon, I see God turn it around for your good. You see, where you understand how God deals with us, he says, surely they will associate themselves and they shall be broken in pieces. The very day they wanted to finish him. I mean, if he was a Ghana man, he was like, I will finish this guy today. The moment he had the question, what shall be done? I will finish this guy today. I will deal with him. Then, look at this. But I like the scriptural sense in this text. 
He says, verse 5, the king's servant said, Haman is out there. God will use your enemy to promote you. There are people who pray, my enemies die. I don't pray such prayers. I need them alive. So they will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of believing. Praise God. It says, surely he will set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The size of your table is a function of how many enemies you have. If you keep on killing them, die by fire, die by boat, die by this. <laughs> you are increasing the size of your table. The king's servants, Haman is out there waiting in the court. Bring him, said the king. Now look at verse 6. This is the part I like. When Haman entered, the king said, what will be appropriate for the man that the king especially wants to honor? All right? What will be appropriate for the man the king especially wants to honor? Now listen closely. Here, Haman thought that is what is influencing what he's going to say. He said he thought to himself, he must be talking about honoring me. Who else? Huh. So he's going to give some prescription about how to honor. Now look at this. <laughs> so he answered, for the man the king delights to honor this. I'm sure if he had not thought about himself, he says different things. But because he was thinking about himself, verse 6, bring a royal robe. Somebody say a royal robe. That the king has worn. And a horse the king has ridden. One with a royal crown on his head. Now, can you imagine that? Now, just think for a moment. When you talk about royal, I don't know, on our presidential swearing investitures, usually they wear kente, right? I think they wear kente. Uh, so that would be very appropriate. So in our context, look at the honor. Give him one of his investiture kentes. And then the vehicle that has the embossment of the government of Ghana, that seal, let it be on his vehicle. Are you seeing what I'm talking about here? Now that's honor. Now go to verse 9. Then he said, then give the rope and the horse to one of the king's most, not just any servant, one of his most noble princes. Have him rope the man whom the king, now look at that. So he's not just using any ordinary person to come and wear him. No, Obe said, you know, take your time. <laughs> wear it on him, he says. <laughs> Let him rob him. Have the prince lead him on the horseback through the city square, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man whom the king especially wants to honor. You see, the reason why he gave this was because he thought about himself. Most of the time, when you are going to honor somebody, you have to think about yourself. Most of the time, I realize that people who have problems when others are being honored is because they are not thinking about it. Assuming that you were in the person's shoe, what would you like? Let it influence you. Most times, people have done things and they felt they honored the person and the person didn't feel honored at all. He said, get the king's robe, not just fake, fake things. Something of lasting value, something that is precious. You know how much a king's robe costs? You know how much a vehicle that a king drives costs? That is honor. Somebody say honor. honor. Say honor. honor. Good. It's a new honor. And then he said, parade him on the city squares. That means tell people about it. Market it. Make noise about it. In our day in social media, celebrate him on social media. A lot of people, including myself, use President Rollins and my DP, or I think one, I posted him when he passed. But I really didn't have a relationship with him as such. Honor. Honor. Celebrate people. I realize that we like to celebrate bad things. When something bad happens, we easily communicate it than when good things happen. I don't know why we are like that. It's because our mind is not renewed. When your mind is renewed and trained with scripture, you are always looking out for the best in others. 
Because that's what agape love does. Agape looks for the best in others. He's not looking for your fault to go and say. He's looking for your best result to tell others about it. Are you with me here? I'm putting in your hand one reason why many people don't do very well in life. They don't do well in life. When you don't get this key and engage it tirelessly. I don't honor anybody of honor in my life with just anything. No, not at all. Last year, I almost emptied my account to honor one of the fathers who has been a blessing to my life. It was his 60th birthday. I couldn't think of anything less than 60,000 as a seed. Praise God. And I traveled long distance with my wife. I had it two days to the time. Two days to the time. I traveled long distance. He didn't give me anything in time, but the prayer he just prayed cleared up some things for me. I was saying it in the first service that this has been one of my most fruitful and exciting years in ministry. Yeah. It's like, listen, when we enter 2021 and we really start, that's when you know the difference. For me, my ministry is actually starting from 2021. That's what I see prophetically. Prophetically. From our prophetic theme, from many events that have taken place in this year. When you learn to honor, you pray less, but you advance more. You pray less and advance more. But when you don't know how to honor, you pray and pray and pray and pray. And still frustration will never leave your house. Frustration will never leave your house. I know pastors who pray fast much longer than I do. But I think God has helped me. And he's still helping me mightily. And I believe that it is my high respect and regard for the people that he's placed in my life. Number four, genuine honor is demonstrated by giving of valuable gifts. Somebody say valuable gifts. You don't just give anything for honor. You don't do that. You give something of value to a person you honor. That is always the case. And listen, something of value is relative. Somebody say it's relative. Yeah, it's relative. It's relative. Somebody, 10 Ghana CD is valuable. Another person, 1,000 is an insult. Am I communicating? Yeah. You know, when people brought an offering, Jesus looked at it. Somebody gave one million dollars. Jesus didn't see it. Another brought one persua. Jesus said, that's the one. Because he looked at the sacrifice attached to it. Don't just drop anything in your offering. There's a scripture that has guided my offerings and my tithes for a long time. Until we entered this age of digital giving, that has always informed how I give in church. Look at Malachi chapter 1 verse 6. Malachi chapter 1 verse 6. I mean, the things I'm saying, Pastor Champon is here. He said, remember, that check, you are the one I sent him to. I gave him my check. He went, drew money. Look at that. A son honors his father. A servant is master. If I am a father, where is my honor? Now listen, God is speaking about his honor. He says, if I'm a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts, to you who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have you despised your name? Verse 7, look at this. Look at this. Follow this closely. He said, you offer Somebody say you offer. How do we demonstrate this honor? By what you offer. By what you what? By what you offer. What you offer is a reflection of the value you put on the one you are offering to. When I saw this scripture, it changed my perspective. I can't give an offering with the note that is scrambled and it's not neat. Every month, I make sure that I have fine notes. If you are not sure you are counting my money, you'll be very happy. It's fine notes. Once I put it's the best of notes because in this scripture, 
he talked about some kind of offering some people give. Verse 8. You see, some people when they are coming to church, it's like they are not prepared. And I will teach you on how to honor God. They are not prepared. They just get up. No, I'm getting late. So some people actually come to church and they go to the vestry to ask for change. Come to church and ask for change. Then they are looking for something to give. You are not prepared. You are not serious. Praise God. You are just simply not serious. He says, when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, when you are going to give something to God, the one that is blind, you carry it. Is it not evil? He says, when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it to your governor. Oh, that's what broke me. Offer it to your governor. Offer it to your governor and see whether... So in our context, offer it. Imagine you are going to carry this end of year. Maybe you made contact with President Kufado and then you want to go and honor him and you carry one eye goat to him. One eye goat. One eye goat. <laughs> I came to honor you. One eye goat. He will think that they have sent you to come and overthrow him. <laughs> yeah. You, have, you want to use him for juju? He will make this sure that they deal with you. The Bible says, offer it to your governor. Now listen. Before you offer anything to God, think about it. If I gave it to the man I respect most, would the person accept it? The man I respect and value most, would the person accept it? Would the person think high of me? And if you are okay, go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do that. John chapter 12, verse 1 to 8. John 12, verse 1 to 8. Six days before the Passover celebration, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. Look at verse 12. This is an honor matter here. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. In Jesus' honor. Now listen, this woman was not the one who prepared the dinner. She had just been, she actually gave crashed, but she knew something that the rest didn't know. The Bible said, Martha said, Lazarus was among those who ate. Look at verse 3. Verse 3. The man took 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from incense of nut, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. Now listen. The glory of the woman is her hair. Do you remember that? The glory of the woman. I know some people have formed a doctrine around it. And so they put scarf. If they are praying, if they, the Holy Ghost wants to speak to them, they have to have a cap on before the Holy Ghost can speak. When they are coming to church, it's uh, yesterday, last two days or so, I met a lady and I was chatting with her. And she had something like that on. I said, this thing, I don't like it. Take it off your hair. The glory of the woman is her hair. Now listen, the feet in the times of Jesus, the feet was the, low, the worst place anybody wants to touch. That's why when Jesus wanted to teach them humility, he washed their feet. And he told them, do that. Because that was the job the meanest of persons did in that society. But this woman didn't use the perfume. She didn't pour the perfume. Now, the perfume is expensive. Take note, it's expensive. Two, she didn't pour it on the body. And I was illustrating that if you buy expensive perfumes, they don't spray too much on the body. No, 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 no. If you have bought an expensive perfume before, you know how to use expensive perfume. No, no, no. Some perfumes can be this small. Very expensive, but this small. And that kind of perfume is not the kind of perfume. Some of them actually don't have the spraying edge so that you spray it. You just turn it, put your finger on it, a little here, a little there, a little here, a little there, and that's all. And everywhere you go, people will know you have arrived. Because it is not in the volume, it's the content. Expensive perfume. Not just expensive, but powerful fragrance. That she could pour the perfume on his feet and then it will spread everywhere in the house. That was powerful. But this woman came, she didn't pour the expensive perfume on the ear, on the head, all the way to the feet. And then she began to wipe it with her hair. Her glory, she bowed it to his feet. That was honor. Verse 4, please. But Judas, somebody say Judas. 
Judas Iscariot, the disciple who will soon betray him, said it. That perfume was worth a year's wages. Do you see how the cost of it? That's the cost of honor. That's the cost of honor. If you want to honor a person, it will cost you something. Because honor always provokes a supernatural response. That's why it costs. Worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. When you go to a culture or an atmosphere where people don't learn how to honor or they don't know how to honor, they are always thinking about the poor. But Jesus actually gave us a very important instruction. He said the poor will always be there. The poor will always what? The poor will always... I mean, governments come, they go, they say, ah, and they are buying V8, they are buying this. What would they buy? They still need to move. They say they should give the money to the poor. Listen, nobody can completely obliterate poverty. Why? Because poverty is first a state of the mind. Am I complicating here? When people's minds are not changed, you can give them a hundred million, they will still come back to poverty. So that's where it starts from. That's where it starts from. There are a plethora of factors that are responsible for poverty. So the man said, let's give it to the poor. Jesus, verse 6 to 8, let's look at it quickly. That he cared for the poor, but he was a thief. Listen, when somebody is being honored and another person is speaking, be careful because you don't know their motives. This man, all he wanted was the money. If the perfume had been sold and the money given to him as a treasurer, he would have gotten something to steal. The Bible said he didn't say it because he cared for the poor, but he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole for himself. Now, this is why I can't stand the people who teach and enforce the fact that Jesus was poor. This is one of the revelations that disturbs my theology. When people say, Jesus was poor, Jesus was poor, Jesus was poor. You, when you were born, the people who visited you, did they bring gold to you? <laughs> Jesus was poor. The person who at his birth, they brought gold. And if I'm to walk you through what archaeologists and theologians say about the worth of gold that was given him, some of them believe that it was enough to have taken care of his, all his ministry expenses. Have you seen a man who is poor who has an accountant? Private accountant he pays. Have you seen a man who is poor who has enough money that when people steal from it, he can't know? <laughs> now think about, think about it. Think about it. You, you know how much is in your account. So when they even did that, when they did that small, you get angry because you know every bit about it. For your wallet, crowd, yeah, I don't want to go there. But I mean, your bank account, you know everything that is inside. If they touch anything, you are thinking of changing your account because they've been deducted. But this man, Judas, was a thief, stole consistently, and Jesus never had a challenge with money. Where did you get the mindset that Jesus is for? And that's what people push. Anything Jesus was, and he became, he became for us. The only time Jesus became poor was when he was saving us. Now, he became poor that you, he never needed to be poor. Never needed. He became poor that you, through his poverty. So after he has become that position, he just needed to switch position. Next year, I will teach you about the law of substitution. He switched position. We are supposed to die, he came to die, so we live. We are supposed to be sick, he came to be sick, so you walk in health. He was supposed to be poor. He came to be poor so you can be rich. And you are allowing Satan to deceive you. You will not walk in deception again. South a better amen. South a better amen. I cannot think poverty. Number five, genuine honor is always motivated by love. Genuine honor. Now, if you remember, Jesus said that this woman has been forgiven much because she who has been loved loves much. What Mary Magdalene did, she did it out of love, deep love for the Lord. 
That's what he did. Look at Romans 12 verse 10. Oh, Romans 12 10. He said, love one another with brotherly affection. I'll do one another in showing honor. I don't have time, but the references are there. In the New Testament, most of the times where the Bible is talking about honor, it's always start to love. It's always start to what? Love. It is very difficult. You have to be demonized to dishonor a person you genuinely love. When you genuinely love, you don't dishonor. The Bible says that agape does not dishonor others. It's found in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 15. The New International Version. He said, yeah, it is not rude. It's not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Rude is the same as dishonoring others. Consistently. 1 Peter 2, verse 17. Respect everyone and show honor. Look at the CEV version. Give me CEV of 1 Peter 2, verse 17. 1 Peter 2, 17. Respect everyone. Show what? Special love for. Show special love for. And then respect everyone consistently. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 12 to 13. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 13. Honor always is rooted. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Verse 13. He says, show them great respect and wholehearted love. When we love, we honor. When we dishonor, we are just demonstrating that we don't love. Are you with me? Now, let me close with this. Genuine honor always provokes supernatural response and rewards. Genuine honor, genuine honor, anywhere it's done, it always provokes. It always provokes supernatural response. Supernatural response. Always, always, always. When we look at Cain and Abel, the Bible said he had respect for Cain, none for Abel. We see Noah. Noah built an ark and honored God. The moment he honored the Bible, said God spoke and changed his mind. The first time we saw God change his mind was in response to honor. Solomon stood before God, honored him. Immediately, God responded. The Sunamite woman, Elisha said, this woman, all the things you have been doing, what do you really mean? What do you need? Immediately, honor came. Again, Mary Magdalene, Jesus responded and said, her name shall be mentioned everywhere the gospel is preached. Genuine honor will always provoke supernatural response and reward. Likewise, dishonor. When Noah's sons, Ham, dishonored the father, immediately when the man woke up, he knew what would happen. Praise God. When Jesus came to minister in Nazareth and they dishonored him, the Bible said he couldn't do anything. It's a supernatural response that always goes. It's my prayer and desire that beginning from today, the grace to honor will rest upon your life. And not just honor with words, but learning how to honor in the most acceptable way. May that grace rest upon your life. Pastor Afakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of this message and other messages as well as books by Pastor Afakwa, please call 540 or email us at faithhousechapeladiahu.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services. Our first service, 6.30 a.m to 8 a.m. Now second service 8.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. At our church auditorium on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. God richly bless you.